0: Welcome to the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman Football Podcast. How are you doing, Finno? Yeah, I'm good. How are you guys? Kev?
1: Yeah, absolutely fine in freezing uh, Spain.
0: And in sunny Brighton, Joe.
2: Oh, good, thanks, JP. Very sunny here as always.
0: Did you uh, did you watch the game last night, Brighton and Newport?
2: I caught the penalties. Yeah, There's <laughs> was a marathon penalty shootout.
0: Mark um, um, O'Brien, who we had in the podcast last week, was actually at the game. And uh, yeah, I, I, what I seen, Newport were, were very unlucky. But of course, the big winners in the FA Cup were Crawley Town. Uh, They beat Leeds 3-0. I didn't see the game, but apparently, did they bring on some TV celebrity at the end or something?
3: Yeah, 33-year-old Mark Wright from The Only Way is Essex or something like that. No
0: relation, (laughs) no relative of mine now, of course. uh, (laughs) Or or Ian Wright's, for that matter. Okay, cracking on, uh, and the festive Premier League madness continues. Um, Kick-off tomorrow, 7pm Central European time at Bramall Lane. Sheffield United who got their first win of the season in the Cup of Rotherham against Newcastle. And I'm very worried about this one, lads. Newcastle have only won one of the last six. Now, bear in mind, the Liverpool point three games ago, you said, could we keep the energy up? I thought the energy level against Leicester was pretty good. The Arsenal game in the Cup, Newcastle showed how much this game means by resting Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, Jamala Selskambar from injury, but he was taking off at halftime. Um, so this game is huge for Newcastle. Because of the run they've been on, the pressure to Steve Bruce is under, and the fixtures that are coming up. Sheffield United would have a little bit of confidence going into this from, from winning in the FA Cup, but, uh, I mean, table-wise, if Newcastle win this, they're up to 22 points, and they put a bit of daylight down between themselves and the bottom three. If they lose it, they can easily get dragged down, and Sheffield United, you know, could then see a bit of light and go right This is our chance to to spring back. Uh, Funnily enough, Alain Saint-Maxime, who had COVID pretty bad, him and LaSalle were the worst uh, sufferers of the COVID virus. He was quarantining in France. He came back and he got into a little bit of trouble because he was pictured in Sainsbury's uh, with a fan uh, when he should have been isolated. But apparently the club came out on their Twitter account and said that he's fine. I'm worried about this one, but I think... Newcastle have rested the big players. Uh, Shelby, hopefully Maxine comes back. Wilson, and we might just have enough just to get over the line in this one. Finno.
3: First of all, congratulations to Chris Wilder. He made it 100 wins as Sheffield United boss uh, at the weekend. And God... <laughs> it took him 100 games. Yeah, that was <laughs> the last win. God knows it took him that long. Um, I can't see anything other than a Newcastle win. And I feel sorry for Sheffield United's fans, but like, you know, we don't talk about them that much, but there really isn't a lot more to say other than you know I think they're going to get beat week after week after week. I
2: actually watched the Arsenal Newcastle match, and I thought Newcastle were actually pretty good and probably should have won the game. Um, Andy Carroll had two amazing chances; the one right at the end, he definitely should have scored. And I'm just wondering—I thought he was a handful all game, Andy Carroll. If Steve Bruce plays Carroll and Callum Wilson together, the classic big man, little man partnership, I think they could actually cause quite a bit of damage because in the, in the Premier League these days, there's not that many of those kind of old fashioned partnerships anymore. I think they could
1: actually do quite well. Listen, this is just one of those games that fans get nervous about. Because you, you're so into it, you think, oh god, they're going to get this amazing confidence boost from this Africa with. and oh shit, someone's got to be—they're going to beat someone. Oh like, shit, it's going to be us. It's not going to be you, right? It's not. Nothing has changed. <laughs> <laughs> you guys uh, are a pretty good team, right? If you and if you if you, if you put money on us in the bookies, Kev, I'm, I'm definitely uh,
0: <laughs> I'm definitely backing us to lose. Going back to your point there, Joe, but Andy Carroll, I was going to say, it did look good to the untrained eye. Carroll had a brilliant. Uh, Performance in both halves. Second half, he was amazing. He was defending. He was Newcastle's best defender in the box, and really one on one with the goalkeeper in the last 30 seconds of the game. And he really should have scored. But that's been his best and only real performance of the season. As as much as he works hard, and he did work hard. Like we've got another guy who does that in Joe Linton, but the finished product is not there. Andy Carroll, you know, he, he worked his socks off. But uh, Callum Wilson's the only one that's scoring goals. So I think against Sheffield United, he, he will go with, um, with Joe Linton up top, with, with Wilson. Uh, Newcastle, I thought they bullied Arsenal in the second half and really should have won the game. They really should have won the game. But, you know, Steve Bruce, I was, li- I was looking at the Newcastle fans forum and they said, you know, they were, they were slating Steve Bruce. But realistically, he had to drop the players because Mike Ashley knows that money's in the Premier League. For staying up in the Premier League, that's where the money is, not in the FA Cup. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll he'll go with Joe Linton. But, look, the signs are there. Performances are better. And hopefully, you're right, Kev, and that, uh, you know, if I was looking at somebody else's team, I could say Sheffield United haven't got a hope in hell. But you, you just never know. Here's my prediction. If St. Maxime is back, we'll win. He might be, he might be in Sainsbury's. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> moving on, Turf Moor, quarter past nine Central European time. Burnley against... Champions elect Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> Should we say? I mean, Burnley, uh, you know, could ever run into trouble. They, they've only lost one of the last six, but it's Man United away from home again, and you know they're what a, a level on points at Liverpool and the game in hand. This this is the one I think where they go to top of the league, and you know the rest might sit up and look.
3: Um, I can only see this going one way, lads. You know, Burnley, as you said. They're the height of inconsistency at the moment. I think they go one win, then they drop points, then and repeat. I think they won last time out. And, you know, I think they'll make it tough for Man United, but I'm going to go with a United win here. I just think that they'll be buzzing going into this one with the chance of going three points clear and really feeling a bit vindicated in, you know, the team selection and the tactics um, that Solskjaer has been playing over the last kind of, yeah, six, eight, 12 weeks.
2: Obviously, Man United's away record has been phenomenal in the league. But I just think with this one, so I've done some some research. So the weather, we we love to talk about the weather. The weather in Lancashire tomorrow is going to be between zero and one degrees. There's actually a weather warning for snow and ice in Lancashire. I can just imagine Burnley turning up in their kind of short sleeves, no gloves, and then Man United are going to turn up. Every single player is going to have a pair of gloves on. And you just wonder how much United are actually going to fancy it. It's going to be a tough old match, I think, at a Turf Moor tomorrow night. So I wouldn't put it past Burnley to kind of out-muscle Man United tomorrow.
0: I think it'll take more than a a, a tornado to stop Man United tomorrow.
1: Kev? Um, I think it's psychological now, isn't it? So I think Man United are... Man United are where they are, not necessarily because they're absolutely the best team in the league. Maybe they are, but but not because of that, but because they've managed to uh, get those kind of results. You know, we talked all season about winning, you know, whatever you want to call it, winning Uruguay or just finding ways to win, right? So they've done it. And those last two wins, I think, um, would have been against uh, Villa, right? And Wolves with that last minute uh, winner. I don't know if I'm missing one out or not. But anyway, they're on, that, they're on that. They've really found a way in all those games, you know. So I just think now, the only thing I'd say is, completely with with you i think it would take a tornado to stop them under normal circumstances but just we'll see right does this man united team look like it has that ruthlessness now where it's about going three points top? and that's and and i think we'll learn a lot as we have in the last two all positive for man united and then will this one just confirm that they really are let's say maybe not champions elect but you know among the absolute favorites
3: you wonder whether or not man united will also have one eye on the weekend's game but I think it's a really interesting point of the season because, you know, Man United for so long have been the the underperformers. And if they do go three points clear, that's a wholly different psychological challenge for them, you know, consistently having to go out and them being the ones that are being chased compared to the ones doing the chasing.
0: I'm just going to pick on a couple of things you said there, Kev. Finding a way to win and winning ugly, you were describing Manchester United, but it does sound very similar to a team you were describing last season in Liverpool. When when it is kinda of going that way, you are finding a way, you know, that they might get the belief that look, this might actually be our year. Joe, you you fancy Burnley to, to get something from
2: this game? I do actually, yeah. I, I just think Burnley gonna be bang up for it. I think it's gonna be a horrible evening. It's gonna be freezing cold. I think some of Man United's players maybe won't perform to their best. I I think it'll be a draw.
0: Yeah, but like they're not playing against, you know, uh AC Milan or Paris Saint-Germain, you know, where the weather is good. It's Manchester. (laughs) I mean, it's freezing every day anyway. It's raining. It's miserable. We'll find out uh, tomorrow night. Um, Also, a quarter past nine, Wolves and Molyneux against Everton. Sticky one to predict this one, really. Uh, Everton on a really good run and then, of course, lost the last game. Wolves, they drew their last game. They've only won one in the last six. Actually, Wolves. It's hard to know which Wolves are going to turn up. We speak about this all the time. We actually spoke, I think, uh, about Wolves signing a striker possibly in the window. But I think they had a striker. Uh, we should dig this up. But they had a decent striker who was on loan in Italy or Spain, who they might actually bring back early. I think. I think it was in Italy, um, due to the to the injury of the uh, the Mexican boy. But um, yeah, Everton, Angelotti. Everton win this. They go back into the top four. Actually they go level with Leicester in on third place. I'm I'm gonna I think Everton will have too much. They rested a couple of players for the cup game. I watched the cup game actually against um, It might have been Rotherham and Everton. It was a decent enough game. I mean, I don't think Calvert Lewin played, but they rested a few players and uh, they got their win in the end. I think they'll just have a little bit too much for Wolves. Joe.
2: I think you're right, JP. I saw that as well. I think Wolves have recalled two of their lone players, which struck me as a little bit of a panic move. They obviously have realized that they are struggling a little bit going forward and they just need players. Um, You always see that in January when teams sign lots of players and bring different players into their squad. They are panicking a bit. I agree. I think Everton won four in a row before losing their last one. So I'd expect them to have too much. I was actually looking at one of Everton's players on loan. So they've still got Moyes Keane, who is on loan at PSG. He's ripping it up at PSG. And you just wonder with Everton, if you know Dominic Calvert-Lewin continues to not score for the next few games, would they look at maybe bringing back Moyes Keane as well?
3: Yeah, I think it's definitely a valid you know, potential, especially with Pochettino now being there. He might want to clean house, do something a little bit different. I know that there's rumours of him going after Deli Alley. Look, I think Wolves, they're they are really toothless at the moment. They've not won, I think, in four games, it is. Um, and I don't know if I see them breaking that streak. Everton, they didn't look like world beaters against West Ham. I think JP's being kind to them. I think they laboured to that win against Rotherham uh, in the FA Cup. But just Wolves, the only kind of bright spark in their FA Cup win against Crystal Palace was Traore. And he's not scored until uh, since February.
1: Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think I think that's it. They, they haven't looked like they're going to score a lot of goals, but Traore's that was a belt, wasn't it? Did you yeah. see that, pick that one out. And what if that is just him, you know, waking up again now and suddenly we see a bit of that player that we saw last year who excited everyone, you know? So, I don't know, you know, marginal favourites Everton maybe, but Wolves was hard to predict. They were unlucky against United. They haven't won a lot of games, Wolves. But I, I don't know, Everton is so inconsistent. You know, yeah, why not? I'm going for Wolves. Bang on. Come on, Wolves. Still, just
0: let's have a little chat about Trioria for a second. I mean, he's a fantastic player. And last season, he was probably the Premier League's most successful impact sub coming off the bench. But surely now when numbers are down with injuries and and selling your best player, Jota, that he would start. But I don't think he started every every game either. For some reason, they keep, uh, you know, keep him on the bench. Wednesday's games will be interesting. Manchester City are in a nice position at 7pm uh, Central European time. They host Brighton and they'll be highly fancied. Man City have won four of the last six. Um, they also will go up into the top four with a win. Leapfrog Leicester, I think, on uh, on goal difference. How are things at Brighton, Joe?
2: Not particularly positive, JP. As we were saying earlier on in the programme, they um, they literally sneaked past... Past Newport on penalties and then what's the worst thing you want 48 hours after playing extra time and penalties to go to Man City um I almost wonder with Brighton if they were if they just need that moment that kind of crisis moment it's similar to Southampton if you uh, last season when we were really poor at the start of the season we got beat 9-0 and we kind of had the reset where we just had to change everything really kind of wake woke us up so I wonder if Brighton if they do lose 7-8-9-0 to Man City it may turn out to be a good thing because they may just have you know they may just think right we actually really need to to change things here otherwise we are going to go down because at the moment they're kind of just rolling along drawing a few games here and there but I wonder if they just need that really big big defeat
3: Yeah it's funny you say 7-8-9 because I wrote down in my notes that it could be a massacre in Manchester I really feel like Ma- uh, Man City are starting to look as if they're kind of cooking with gas, and they might be, you know, up and around the the title conversation. Come the end of the season, what I thought was quite interesting is, you know, Brighton are in that precarious position of they're safe on paper at the moment, you know, if the league finishes today, but Fulham still have those two games in hand, and also Fulham are coming into a little bit of form, relatively speaking. So, I mean. I wouldn't be surprised if Brighton are you know the best of the rest in terms of the teams that go down um you know if I think this is a free hit for Brighton though if they do go and lose and ship six goals they're writing it off because realistically how many of the other teams are going to get points that being said West Brom did go and get points from Man City at the Etihad so it's a tough one for Brighton I don't know if they're going to Get anything from it? I think Man City have enough quality in every and all positions here.
1: Yeah, they 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 are not going to get anything from it. And I think you're. I'm starting to wonder if Man City might be part of the conversation towards the end of the season is a dramatic understatement as well. I think Man City um have are, are, are played their way back into form. You know, whatever it was, they didn't have the preseason they wanted. Whatever it was, uh, they found a really secure uh, defensive partnership. Now they suddenly look like they're not going to concede any goals. They look like maybe this still haven't quite found the full fluency, right? That's the maybe that's the one thing. Last year they did win a lot of games five or six nil, although it showed that that's not enough, right? You have to be able to win. It's our theme, isn't it? You have to be able to win the one nils and the two ones and the three twos. But anyway, so maybe still haven't always looked like they're going to do it, and maybe like coming back for this one, maybe 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 it won't be seven nil, eight nil, nine nil. I don't know, but I'd be astonished. I don't think Brighton will score. So I think it will be, whatever it is, I think it will be to nil and I think it will be handy enough. It will be easy enough for City. Who, who've got, does you know, seemingly hundreds of games in hand, let's not forget. And I'm probably going to be about 15 points clear by about April. Kev barking
0: again. I did say Man City will go back into the top four with a win. Uh, they will. They go to a point behind Liverpool and they'll also have a game in hand. So, you know, uh, by the weekend, it could be the two Manchester clubs at the top. Who knows? Brighton just signed this um, super Irish kid, by the way, from Bohemian, 16 year old Evan Ferguson, banging in the goals. He's one for the future, but uh, I don't think he'll be enough to stop Man City, even if he's there in time. Man City, you know, compared to last season, I just think that they could well win the league with the team they have, but I just think they're one, a different type of striker short of doing that. You know, Aguero hasn't really, he's been injured. Jesus is injured. They're kind of relying on Mares and Sterling and then goals from midfield. Look, they're going to win this one. There's no doubt about it. Brighton, like you said, Fino, Fulham have a couple of games in hand. Could get very, very hairy for Brighton. Right, so the next game will be a topic of much debate. It should have been at Villa Park and it should have been Aston Villa against Tottenham. Mourinho came out yesterday and said, as far as he knew, that the game was going ahead. Villa, of course, have a massive uh, COVID problem. They played the, kid, the kids against Liverpool in the Cup, and uh, the game's been postponed. But now Tottenham are playing, but they're playing against Fulham. Um, so before we go into the COVID thing, I mean, if you're Mourinho and the, and the Tottenham managerial, managerial staff and you know the scouts and everybody else and the guys behind the scenes who are plotting the downfall of Aston Villa... Even now, they have to go to to Fulham and for Fulham also. This is all a bit crazy. It's all a bit messed up. And we thought we were going to see a lot more of this. But
3: um, will this really disrupt Tottenham? I don't know if it will because I think one of the, the saving graces of this is that it is so close to the original date of the game. And so, you know, most of the injuries will probably be the same injuries that they were planning for, you know, a week ago. Um, it's not ideal obviously it's not ideal but none of this season has been ideal and i think actually the premier league have done a relatively good job at corralling this the issue comes with the individual players and their individual decisions and you know tottenham are no no strangers to that with with their argentinian contingent but um in terms of the game you know tottenham essentially had the weekend off um against marine or at least the first 11 did. Fulham had a near enough full-strength team going up against QPR. So I would expect Tottenham to win here by a couple. But as I mentioned, you know, Fulham's form is starting to tick up the way, So maybe there is a potential banana skin there.
0: I mean, if you're the coaching staff and you're telling the Spursman field, you know, to drop back and stick tight to Jack Relish, all of a sudden you're not playing against Jack Relish. But yeah, like you said, I think they'll have too much for Fulham. For, for Joe?
2: That was a great moment, wasn't it, when when Gareth Bell came off the, the bench against Marine. Just fantastic. Um I think Spurs will beat Fulham. I was surprised though Fulham haven't actually played a they haven't played a match in the league since since, since Boxing Day. I, I know that that, that they had their run out against QPR, but um I think Tottenham they did a pretty professional job against Marine. That could have gone wrong pretty quickly. But um I think they'll be fine. And I don't mean any disrespect to Fulham, but I think if Tottenham had been rearranged to play against Liverpool or Man City or Man United at, at you know one or two days' notice, they'd have kicked up a bit more of a stink. But I think against Fulham, they'll have enough to beat them fairly comfortably.
1: I think so too, um, but I I don't know anymore. I'm 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 just starting to think. I, I just want to go back actually. I, I've not got too much to say about 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 this game, other than I suppose you know it's, it's one of my favourites and quite rightly. Although you know Fulham. Fulham did Fulham did okay against Liverpool. I remember, didn't they? They looked pretty pretty t- tidy on the ball. Actually, it wasn't just wasn't just a, a you know a, a lucky point or anything. All I'd say is, I'm just starting to wonder now about this mad rush to make sure that every game is played. Whether it might even be worth reconsidering that now. And listen, I don't live in the UK. I don't want to go too far. It's really hard to make an assessment from, you know, from afar. But maybe it is time just to think about desperately rushing around and trying to get all these matches played in something, whether that is actually the right thing to do right now, you know, and I wonder if maybe at some point or rather, let me say this because I don't want to go too far and I don't want to say I'm suggesting this, but I just wonder if it might happen within the next few weeks, given the current situation in, in the UK and in England, especially actually, whether it might be time to say, is it worth having a little break from the Premier League? Is it, is it, you know, you sort of look last year, when football came back, whenever it was in May or June or whatever, you know, you sort of had that feeling that, the, the, you know, the football needed to come back. It, it was a message of hope. You know, everyone needed to see some football come back. Well, you don't need a message of hope right now, do you? I mean, you guys, uh, you know, Joe, Joe, you're in England. Finno, you're in Scotland. I don't know. It seems to be that's not the message that people need. The message people need at the moment is discipline. Right in this situation, let's let's get through it by following the rules. And I just wonder if this mad dash around the country of people running around all over the place, desperately trying to fit in fixtures, desperately trying to make sure that, that we can play these games. Like I say, I'm not urging us to stop it, but I just wonder if that decision might come up now. It might seem unlikely now, but in a couple of weeks' time, the situation, as it appears to be, just keeps getting worse and worse, whether we might be reaching that stage where, hang on a minute, maybe it makes sense just to have a pause. And if it means you don't get to play all 38 games or whatever it is at the end of the season, maybe again, we need to be started thinking of creatively about how you have a decisive season using some kind of playoff thing or some kind of puzzle, uh, bubble thing like the NBA did last year, or even in the Champions League where you're having some kind of playoff rounds at the end. As I say, at this stage, I'm not suggesting that. I wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel able to make that suggestion not living in the UK. I just wonder if something that drastic might be coming in the next few weeks. And this, we're sort of seeing the first signs of it.
3: I think you're, you're spot on, Kevin, with the idea of potentially introducing a bubble in my opinion i think it was madness that they didn't try and introduce something similar to that i understand that it's a long season etc um i think it's also madness that we even entertained the idea of the magic of the fa cup this weekend when we've got you know plumbers and electricians and people that work in supermarkets going up against professional footballers who are clearly you know dealing with two very different types of daily kind of life at the moment for me, it will be interesting to see whether in a couple of weeks' time, whether or not we start to see more elite-level players coming down with COVID as a result of these mixed-league games in the FA Cup. In terms of stopping the league, and I I don't want to speak for England, but I know that in Scotland, it's definitely something... We don't have anything else at the moment. You know, we literally don't have anything else to do aside from watch sport. You know, I can go for my one walk a day, I can go to the supermarket... But aside from that, I can't do anything. So really, I think for a lot of people, elite sport is the the escape that they're allowed that feels somewhat normal. Um, and it would be a shame if that was taken away, not least because we're probably in the grips of one of the most exciting Premier League seasons that we've had in years, I would say. Uh, good point there, lads, both of you. Is, um,
0: the bubble, maybe, maybe, maybe the time to do it, will be when always around mid-February we have an international break and I think that's a recipe for disaster those meaningless Nation League games Nations League games um, when players are traveling and flying all over the place that's the time I think to take a break cancel them and see if that makes a difference but Maybe maybe they should take a two-week break or a week break or something just, just to calm things down if things keep going the way they are. I mean, in the UK, obviously, they are pretty bad. I think Scotland, the whole second division or the lower leagues in Scotland are, are gone, finno, yeah?
3: Yeah, so everything below the championship has been, uh, there's a fire break for three weeks, um, which I, I don't disagree with and I empathize and sympathize with fans of those teams that don't get to see their teams for, for three weeks. I think the issue starts to come as Who's going to pay for all of this if it does get cancelled or if it does go down the null and void route? We had the issue with Scotland last season where they had to make a uh, final decision on the league because of the sponsors and so that they could attribute prize money, etc. And we're talking about Scotland. If we talk about the Premier League, we're talking about sums that are 10 times that amount. And, you know, if if you're Fulham at the moment and all of a sudden tomorrow they go, right, well, the league's done. And you go down, the um, the first thing that you do is go to court because you've got two games in hand, you're ticking upwards and against Brighton, you're fancying your chances. Brighton are going happy days and it's a really murky situation, I think.
1: Yes, I suppose that's what I mean, though, is that maybe maybe at some point it's going to be time to get creative about how you finish off a league. If, if there is some kind of enforced break, you know, and maybe there is a way, like we joked last week, you know, or I did, sorry, you know, you, I couldn't pick a favourite from the top nine. And I wonder if, you know, maybe there's going to be something in that where you end up playing the top 10 all playoff, you know, in, in God knows where they play, you know, one of these, you know, where uh, the training, training complexes where the England team plays or at u- universities or something like that, just to sort of whittle it down to something manageable. I don't think, you know, maybe we're not there. You, you know people listening to this and you guys probably know far better than me what the actual situation is but I just wonder if something like that happens you know is there a way of rescuing having a fantastic end to the season? like people were pretty skeptical about the end of the Champions League last year but in the end I think even UEFA came out and said that you know that's something we might look into in the future because it was great you know and we all if you're a fan of basketball the NBA was just fantastic last year the way it finished you know so dreadful circumstances but but making the best of it and like I say I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest that this should happen I just mean you know, it, it, if it does, because people start talking like that, then then yeah, getting creative about how you finish off the league, but albeit not in the best way, might might be an interesting approach.
0: Let's go back to uh money and football there, Finno, and what it costs. I've got to give a shout out to Tottenham. Tottenham fans bought ten thousand virtual tickets uh for the game against Marine, which I thought was was brilliant, you know what I mean? And yeah, they, they deserve a shout-out and a bit of credit this week. Um, well, it remains to be seen, lads. I mean, if things keep going the way they're going. And what happened in Newcastle two weeks ago, what's happening at Aston Villa now, I think if it affects enough um, Premier League teams at the same time, that's when they'll have to really consider it. You know, like, for example, if it goes in London and it goes bad, and if you get, like, Tottenham and Palace and Chelsea and Spurs, uh, sorry, and Arsenal... Uh, then they, they, might, they might have to look at it. But uh, it's all about money at the end of the day. And, you know, that's what's happening. Moving on to Thursday, there's one game left before we're back and before the uh, the end of this week. Arsenal at home to Palace. Um, I wasn't really <laughs> impressed with Arsenal, to be honest. I was worried about the game against Newcastle. And, you know, they started a really strong team. Bamiang started, like I said, was on the bench. But... Um, they were on this run and they won three games, three in a row, and they they battered West Brom. But I thought Newcastle physically bullied them, and they really impressed me how how they stopped Arsenal playing. I don't think Palace uh, have that that kind of style that Newcastle do to get in your face. I think they they rely a little bit more, a little bit more silky football and going through Saha. So I mean Arsenal's run has brought them up to eleventh in the table. They can catch West Ham and get into the top ten way to win here, which will be a good turnaround for um, for Arteta. That would be, they've, they've won four in a row now, basically. It's been a really good turnaround. But I think they'll have too much for Palace. Uh, Joe?
2: I was thinking about this earlier. It was much more fun when Arsenal were in the uh, relegation battle, wasn't it? Um... It was. Uh,
0: sorry, Manfred, if you're listening.
1: <laughs>
2: um, it's another fantastic opportunity for Arsenal to get a win. And like you said, if they catch West Ham and Chelsea having been where they were a few weeks ago, that's a pretty remarkable turnaround. To win four games in the Premier League at any time is strong. Um, yeah, I agree. Crystal Palace pff, have been really, really poor of late. I would think Arsenal will see them off fairly comfortably.
1: Yeah, the, the, the one thing I'd say there is it's, I don't know that much about this, but zahar has got a bit of, not previous exactly with Arsenal, but I know he's been, he was linked with a team to that uh, with a move to them in the past. It didn't come off for whatever reason. Uh, the only thing I'd say, there he's got, you know, sort of ample incentive to go there again and show them what they might have had. Assuming he's fit, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that surprised if he somehow manages to, you know, just, just to remind them of his class. Because he is class, isn't he?
0: The last time we spoke about Wilfred Saha going to in the away
3: team and, you know, having something to prove, he scored two in a win at Old Trafford. I think I'm going to give Arsenal a bit of a break here, but not too much. You know, I realised I've been pretty tough on them over the last month or so um so again apologies manfred i reckon they will win here but i was just looking at the the stats between the two matches so arsenal haven't won in their last four games against crystal palace they've drawn three and lost one and they've also conceded at least once in their last 11 premier league games so i definitely would be looking at palace to to get at that defense it's just i think that they've got too much up top and going forwards Um, And I think they'll overpower Palace. So, yeah, I think they'll win. I don't think it will be necessarily a pretty game or, you know, a load of goals. But I think they could easily win 2-1. Well,
0: they're going to have to play a hell of a lot better than they did against Newcastle. Um, The creative players didn't do much for me. And then it might be Martinelli was injured in the warm-up. He's a big loss for them in midfield. But if um, Palace go with, say, Bashuai and Benteke... Two big men up top like Newcastle did. Long balls into the box and then hopefully they drop the Saha. Who knows? It's been a crazy season. Who knows? We'll go for Arsenal.
1: Uh, No poems this week, Kev? No. uh, I'm the (laughs) most relieved. I'm sure some of the listeners are as well, but I'm extremely relieved to have had it after three in a week. (laughs) Happy to have a week off.
0: All right. We will be back on uh, Friday, folks, recording. So we should be out uh, online on all the usual formats on Saturday. Don't forget, if you're listening on YouTube, hit the subscribe button so, you can, and also the notification bell uh, so you will be alerted as soon as our new podcast comes out. Also on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Uh, Joe, thanks very much, buddy.
2: Speechy Friday.
0: Finno, enjoy the weather in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, I'll
1: try. Kev, keep warm in sunny Spain. I will. I'll go for a walk on the freezing cold beach this evening, I think.
0: Oh, we're not jealous at all. Uh, This has been the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman Football Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys, and enjoy the games.